everybody. Thank you for tuning into the 21st episode of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. If you or somebody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. Okay, before I get to the interview today, which, um, surprise, I'm extremely excited about, uh, my guest today is Derek Westman. And Derek is a friend of mine. I met him several years ago, uh, actually in Japan. And we talk about that uh, on the podcast and um, kind, of a, kind of a fun story, but I'm going to leave that for the podcast. Um, but Derek is, uh, he is just one of the funniest guys I know. And he has a really, really neat story about what it's like to, to live abroad and learn a language and uh, um, become fluent in that language and, and adapt to a culture. Um, Derek has a, a TV show in Japan that we talk about and, uh, and, and just he has become a, a lover of Japanese food and he just has some really fun insights and uh, again, one of, the, one of the funnest people I've ever been around. Um, but I'll try to kind of leave it at that. Um, but uh, other than that, I will tell you Derek has red hair. He grew up in the U.S. and, um, and lives in Japan and he's kind of a big deal. But now before I want to get to that, uh, I just, you know, at times when I'm doing work in my therapy, especially when I'm doing this EFT work, this emotionally focused therapy work, where I'm trying to encourage clients to be vulnerable and open and, and put out these what I call emotional bids. And we and I work with a, a spouse or a partner to try and, and just really understand when, when their partner is putting out one of these emotional bids, um, not to fix, not to judge, but to have some awareness and really kind of try to understand this person that they care about. I use this phrase a lot of times because this can kind of help you um, get vulnerable. I, I'll say, hey, let me take you on my train of thought. So that's a way to kind of say, here's where my mind is going. So I'm trying to strip the fixing and judgment out of it, but just saying, here's where my mind's going. So uh, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to take you on my train of thought because this is one of these funny things where if I'm going to be vulnerable, when when I saw that this was the 21st episode of The Virtual Couch, I kind of thought 21, you know, uh, and I wanted to make this uh, comment about now The Virtual Couch is an adult. It's 21. So then all of a sudden I find myself online. I'm going to find some fun facts about turning 20. And uh, couldn't find really anything. I mean, other than just a lot of it's uh, you can buy alcohol or whatever, and and so that you know I'm not really, um, and you know that doesn't mean much to me. So I wanted so much more, and I did find one website that had the age of uh, your rights at different ages. And I'm reading over them, and I'm like, <clears throat> some of these don't make sense. It's talking about being able to drive a lorry or a buggy, and then I find out, okay, this is specifically put out by the town of Oxford, Oxfordshire in uh, the UK. So now I'm determined, you know, I'm really determined that I am going to, I'm going to find some fun facts about 21 and, uh, and I'm telling, I'm telling a colleague that, and then as I'm doing that, this little spit bubble comes out of my mouth. I mean, it is so obvious. And so I kind of let out a, Hey, my bad. And then that led to, we we're kind of joking about what happens if you have a spit bubble that comes out while you are talking in therapy and, uh, do you, do you acknowledge it? And I say, Oh, absolutely. You know, and I apologize. Hope that didn't get on you, that kind of thing, which then led us to a conversation that was about, um, you know, I had a client earlier in the week and, and she was a little bit upset and kind of had a booger that was hanging out of her nose. And I'm kind of just, she's got Kleenex and I'm thinking, man, you know, she's being so open, so vulnerable and we're processing some really intense things. I'm like, okay, uh, if she doesn't get that with the Kleenex, then I gotta, I gotta tell her before she leaves this office. 
but then if she also gets it in a few minutes, you know, is she going to say, how long did I have that there? And then I'm kind of becoming fixated on it. And thankfully, um, she wiped it without even knowing. So, you know, there's this just, uh, you know, what do you do when you become hyper-focused about something? So then all of a sudden I'm thinking again about this saliva bubble. And then, um, sure enough, I think, all right, fun facts about saliva. So I Google that and, uh, you know, I can't lie, a couple of fun ones. Um, hopefully this won't be too gross. Uh, so it, according to, I think it's a funfacts.com site, something like that. Um, it, it says that we produce enough saliva in our lifetimes to fill two swimming pools. And I did kind of think, okay, that's a little bit gross. Um, but then the other fun fact that it also talked about was that the boiling point of human saliva is three times that of water. So there is some useless trivia. So go and uh, maybe your challenge today, see if you can implement that in a conversation. Um, and then on this fun fact site too, I was literally going to then close the tab and I just caught my eye. One that I thought was interesting. It said in the year 2015, more people were killed by injuries from taking selfies than shark attacks. How about that for a fun fact? Okay, let's get to this interview with Derek Westman. Um, again, Derek uh, grew up in uh, the U.S., lives in Japan, a very funny guy. Um, I will, I will, uh, I will talk more about our sponsor uh, at some point during the interview. I had our first ever technical glitch because um, I was talking with Derek in Japan, and so during one of those uh, cutouts, I thought it was appropriate to do my first ever during the episode in episode read. So be ready for that one. And uh, thanks again, as always, for your comments. And, and I'm getting a lot more. The Monday mailbag that I released earlier in the week, um, they, I don't know, it seemed to then double the amount of comments that come in re- per usual. So I appreciate that. Some great questions. And I'm going to try to get a couple of therapists in here to help me answer some questions in the next couple of weeks. A lot of great episodes ahead. Go to iTunes or the podcast app and please subscribe and rate and review and spread the word. Or if you have an Android device, wherever you get your podcasts and, uh, and you can always go to virtualcouch.xyz and find all the episodes there, as well as where you can submit your questions. You can also email contact at pathbackrecovery.com, uh, and you can also um, uh, there's a there's a place on virtualcouch.xyz where if you are feeling so generous, um, you can make a donation that will help keep the podcast rolling, hosting fees, that sort of thing. So there you have it. Thanks in advance, as always, to Aurora Florence for her song. It's wonderful that you'll hear at the end of the interview with. Derek Westman. So let's welcome Derek on the virtual couch. Well, and, and I know you you may not be as fascinated about this as I am, but here we go. Derek Westman, what time is it where you are right now? Yeah, it's uh, 9.56 p.m. 9.56 in the p.m. I came into my office. That's how much of a Derek fan I am. It is 4.56 in the a.m., here in, uh, in, I can't even call it sunny California because it's dark California right now. Um, but yeah. I, have to, I have to tell you, just from uh, my experiences traveling abroad when I have clients in my office, and sometimes they'll come in and they'll be tired. They're all wiped out. You know, I just got back from, uh, you know, Colorado, and that time difference, you know, it's an hour. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know where I'm going with that, right? Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard not to, you know, get a chuckle. I mean, you, you don't want to poo-poo anybody's experience, but yeah, you know. Right. But now you do a fair amount of international travel. I mean, how do you adjust to um, that, that jet lag? Jet lag for you is an entirely different thing, right? Yeah. It's, um, I guess uh, it helps to exercise. It helps to try and stay up until it's time to go to bed local time when you arrive, but you just got to except that you're going to be working really tired. Exactly, right? And I always think about that um, when we have gone over to Japan, especially working with you. 
that mm-hmm. that time difference. We get there, right? We've lost a day. It's eight o'clock at night, maybe in Japan. <laughs> you come pick us up at the airport. Tell us to stay awake the whole time back to Tokyo. It's what a two-hour drive. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it's like trying to keep a injured person <laughs> conscious. You're yeah. like, you know, just trying to slap them and stuff. I, exactly. I mean, yeah, you, you you'll see your eyes going down. You're like, so what else is going on? You know, and, <laughs> and then you feed us. I mean, I still I always have these fond memories of, and we'll get into that, boy. The the food part of Derek. With uh, I remember one time in particular. <laughs> You know, I feel like you almost saw us dropping and you pull over at this Asian kebab place uh, somewhere in yes. Tokyo, right? Remember that? Yeah, yeah that, that became the place. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then it's like we if we can make it up till, you know, then what, 10 o'clock local time, then we go to bed. But then the uh, we, we wide awake at 1 in the morning or 2 in the morning or whatever. And I always feel like, you know, by the time you get adjusted, then it's time to go back home. And then that uh, exactly. the travel back home is brutal. So where are you at right now? So I'm in I'm in Kyushu, the western part of Japan. Western part of Japan. Yeah. Okay. Not far not far from the city of Fukuoka. Oh, okay. But a little bit more rural area. Yeah. Oh, you, you just blew my mind with all the additional things that we can talk about. I mean, you you've done a, a lot of service there as well, right? I mean, some of the um, I remember in particular with one of the earthquakes and uh, um, uh, do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, the um, the Great East Japan earthquake that happened in March 2011. Yeah, um, yeah. What was that like yeah, for I was, you? I was, I was living in Tokyo and um, just, uh, you know, just living life. I had a three-year-old daughter and a pregnant wife with the second kid, and um, the earthquake was really big. It shook Tokyo pretty badly, but not, not much damage. Uh, but up in northeastern Japan, it was it was really, really bad. A big tsunami hit. Uh, so... I had I had two buddies who were working in in Tokyo as as lawyers, uh, both from the U.S. and we both we all had the time to get out of work for a week and a half or something, and so we went up there and helped out a little bit. Wow! But it was a good experience, yeah. So, and it's funny in my notes, I hadn't even thought about the earthquakes. I I mean, I, the only earthquakes I've really been through have been when I've been in Japan. I've felt a few of those. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what what's the biggest one you felt? Well, that it was probably well. That earthquake was really big. Um, I was on a train almost back to my station, a uh, couple hundred yards from the station when the, the earthquake hit, and we were stuck in the train for a couple hours and then walked home on the tracks. But um, mm. when we went up uh, to help you know, with just getting wreckage off of people's houses and, and yards and things, uh, we were hit with another aftershock that was maybe in the seven, seven magnitude or something range. And... We were standing actually right on the coast, uh, and this huge aftershock hit us, and it's literally like the you know the grounds waving up and down, wow. uh, undulating in a really weird way. But um, we were just really afraid of a tsunami coming again, so we jumped in the truck and drove really fast to get get out. But you did. Okay. It was yeah. Earthquakes are definitely um, if they're just small and nobody gets hurt, they're kind of interesting. They're kind of fun, but. In that case, it was pretty terrorizing. Uh, do, you, do you feel like you ever get used to that feeling? I mean, that the whole world is moving kind of a feeling? <laughs> well, little earthquakes, you get used to those, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was it. interpreting uh, I was interpreting a couple a couple of months ago uh, a company's board, board meetings, and they were actually talking about their earthquake contingency plans when an earthquake hit. They did. And we were on the 50th floor having this meeting, and we're swaying, you know, a couple oh. meters back and forth, and everybody's had a good laugh when it was over and got back to the planning. Okay. Yeah. Now, can you, in those situations where you're doing some international business, do you watch, I mean, can you tell who's American and who's not? You watch people just go white? I mean, is that... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the less experienced people might might not handle it as the, the same way, but... Yeah. um. 
I think in that case, I was interpreting for an American who was over the phone in the U.S. and uh, just had to give him the play-by-play. Actually, there's an earthquake happening. Just hang on. <laughs> the, the Japanese folks were, were pretty used to it. So I have to ask you if I have just made this up in my head, and, and I don't know if it was one of the times I was there with you or one of the earlier times, but I remember being in a restaurant and being pretty high up and, and feeling like something's just off. And then, uh, and then slowly everybody just started to grab their phone. And then, you know, I, if it was you, I can't remember if somebody's like, oh, I think people are checking to see, you know, I don't know what the, what the, you know, the Richter scale reading was. Or, but, <laughs> yeah. and then, but the, the urban legend I made up in my own mind was that Japanese buildings are so prepared for it that we were almost like on rubber foundation. So we were going to, you know, tilt. We, oh, we, yeah. Is that true? Well, that's true. Um, most, most, any any building built to code now is um, is on top of rubber, big big rubber pads, and you know then it's just you have to have steel frame buildings that sway. And wow! It's about it's about absorbing and you know dis- dissipating the energy rather than being rigid. Okay, exactly. and I, my friend Mark and I were just uh, you know we're, anybody see this and everybody's just acting like it was business as usual. <laughs> yeah, you check the phone. You you, you want to know if it was really bad somewhere, and okay. you know that the, the earthquake only sw- only shook you a little bit. You hope it wasn't like seven several hundred miles away and really hitting somebody. Wow, that's okay. what most people I think are checking. Okay, that makes more sense, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, talking about that, I mean, do you remember um, when we first met? Do you remember what that? Do you remember the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw a couple of white guys walk into the room. <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, a whole bunch of Japanese folks gathered, and and you guys uh, came in the back. Yeah, yeah. we were trying to we we're trying to find a, a local church meeting, and we had walked by this building by our hotel in Hachioji a few times, and kept thinking they got to meet here at some point. And then uh, I, I still can't believe that. I mean, you know, that we weren't just it was an abduction. I mean, some guy comes up in a car, uh, speak, he doesn't speak any English, says get in. So we think <laughs> sure we're in the middle of uh, japan a couple of foreigners never been you know never been in that area before we'll jump in this what car. could go wrong exactly and then 45 yeah. minutes later we're dumped off and you know at a at another church building i don't remember where that was um, yeah down in machida about a probably 30 40 minute drive down okay jump in there all of a sudden it's like okay we're here that the the, church, the old church <laughs> thing feels okay i don't have a clue what anybody's saying and then we look up front, and there's a there's a little redheaded guy who's whisp, you know doing the translation to people that were up on the stand, right? And that yeah, was you. Exactly. And then at the end of it, now we don't know what to do. And I know we ran to you because it was like, help us, please. You know, you seem like a safe person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, who, who are you guys? What are you doing? And um, and I remember at the time, you know, uh, my I was I had just started my company not long before that. I was doing a lot of interpreting and translation and stuff, and you know, uh, you guys said you were here on business, and I'm like, wow, maybe I need to work with these guys. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. I could, uh, use some, I could use some business. I'll drum up some business here at church. You and, know, I, and I still remember as well that you, your wife, didn't make it to, uh, to church that day, and you had a fairly small car, and so had she had come with your baby, or you know, we would have been uh, out of luck. I think you would have been. That's right. Know, pointing us to the subway, right? Yeah, that um, was a tiny that was a tiny car, and and then we just barely got you guys in there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Hey, so tell me what what brought you to Japan? Yeah, so I I came to do service for a couple of years when I was nineteen. Okay. And um, before that, I had studied Japanese in high school. Oh, you had my high school. My high school happened to offer a Japanese Japanese classes. Okay. So I took those uh, three years through high school and kind of got the real basics of Japanese. But then I um, 
I ended up getting sent to to Tokyo, Japan, and so I had a, a chance when I was 19 to kind of be immersed in Japanese language and culture. So when you first get there, I didn't realize you had taken it in high school. I mean, that's a pretty progressive yeah. high school. Um, do you feel? Well, like you know, it happened to. Okay. But, you know, it's it's not a high level. It's like when you take Spanish or French in high school, you don't come away, you know, giving speeches or anything. Well, and that's why I say I took five years of German, and I go to Germany, you know, at that point in business, and I can't even talk to a taxi cab driver. You know, I can ask where a croissant is and. And I'm and I'm stumbling all over the. Is it a male croissant or is it a female croissant or maybe it's a, you know neutral? I mean, so so when you you know when you hit the ground in uh, in Tokyo, then do you feel that you were ready and then find out that you weren't, or did you know going in that okay, this is a whole different ballgame? Hey, welcome to the first ever during the episode read. For Eli's Extracts, our sponsor on the virtual couch, you can go to Eli's, E-L-I-S-Extracts, E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S dot com, and there use the coupon code virtual couch, all one word, and get 25% off your entire order of any of Eli's Extracts award-winning um, all-natural organic shaving creams that uh, smell amazing. They're scented with essential oils, which also all have some various healing properties. And so when you are going to shave, when you're going to scrape that skin off of your head, face, legs, arms, wherever you're going to do it, you're leaving that skin exposed. So why would you cover that up with anything other than all-natural organic Eli's Extracts? So Eli's Extracts, E-L-I-S-Extracts.com, and Virtual Couch, the coupon code, all one word, and uh, that is how you'll get 25% off your order. And then also, if you're looking for a powerful um, internet filtering software that gives you the capability to have an accountability buddy um, that does uh, routine upgrading to kind of keep you away from sites that uh, are harmful and just another way to protect your family or to put a little distance between that thought and action, that's part of what I use in my Path Back Recovery Program um, to help break free from pornography, addiction, and compulsive sexual behavior, I recommend going to Covenant Eyes, that's C-O-V-E-N-A-N-T-E-Y-E-S, and when you sign up, if you use the code virtual couch, uh, that would be greatly appreciated because then they do give us a little, uh, they, they give us a little something that will um, help support the podcast. So um, Eli's Extracts and Covenant Eyes, thank you for supporting the virtual couch. Now back to Derek Westman. Hey, sorry about that. No, we're back. That, I have to tell you, it's my first time okay. that uh, the, the connection is broken here on the virtual couch and I had to worry. Earthquake? Or are you Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Right. Yeah, sorry. I think uh, I'm on some hotel Wi-Fi here that wasn't wasn't handling well, so I switched over to uh, Tedbury. I thought it'd be good. Yeah. Okay, good. Sorry All right. That. So uh, no, no, it's okay. So um, and it'll be good. We'll just mm-hmm. kind of pick right up. So you know, when you hit the ground in Tokyo, mm-hmm. did, did you know I don't really know what I'm doing here, or did you feel did you go in there thinking, hey, I've had three years of high school Japanese, I'm good? No, I was I was really intimidated. Um, I had, you know, heard some native speakers speak before, and I knew that I wasn't, um, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to communicate with people right away. Okay. And then so, arriving at the airport with jet lag, it was, yeah, it was intimidating. So what was that whole? I mean, I, that's the part that I'm just fascinated by. What was that process like? Did you were there periods where you thought I'm never going to fig- figure this out, or were you just so excited and immersed in the culture? Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm a really uh, prideful person, so I had to kind of say, okay. I just need to sound like an idiot and talk as much as possible. Okay. Um, and and the person I'd been, you know, the person I, my first roommate, who was another American, um, he didn't speak very good Japanese. So right off the bat, I needed to speak Japanese too. So that helped a lot. Okay. Yeah. Now, did he try to um, speak English with you? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, he, you know, we were we were native English speakers from America, mm. and so luckily we had that. You know, we had that. But um, in terms of language, I mean, it was just um, build on what you do know and have as much confidence as possible in that. I mean, I, I always tell people that you know, living in Japan, people are always asking me, "How do I get good at English? You know, how do I learn a new language?" And uh, you know, it's like seventy, eighty percent confidence. Wow. And the okay. rest is you know some knowledge. It's ir- irra- have you ever heard of irrational confidence? Oh, absolutely. I, I, a, yeah, I hear about it in sports. I'm a all super the time. irrational okay. confidence guy. Okay, and, and it's funny now yeah, to look back on the un- times. Okay, when 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 I've watched you in a, a business meeting, for example, I mean you you own that room, right? I mean, I, and I never really realized that's part of that's part of your whole plan, right? Oh yeah, and I've got I've got crazy imposter syndrome going on under the surface there. You, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. They're going to find out I'm a fraud. Um, but for now, I'm just going to exude as much confidence as possible and try and take the wheel if I feel like that's what you know will help the meeting happen. Okay, you know, I, so. I love the fact. So imposter syndrome. I literally uh, I probably deal with that once or twice a week in sessions, and I did I just did again <laughs> yes, yesterday. I mean that's uh, I think I'm going to have to do an entire um, uh, virtual catch episode on imposter syndrome. So I love hearing that you are aware oh, yeah. of that, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm very. Yeah, I feel it a lot. I, I, I didn't ever get trained as an interpreter and translator, which is now a lot of the work I do. And so when I am interacting with people who have gone through interpreter school or courses or whatever, you know, I think, you know, these are the people that really know the, the wow. secrets of it. And I'm just faking my way. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> so that, that reminds me then of, uh, so when we had, I think I, I don't, you know, I don't think we engaged in business that first time we, you and I kept in contact, we head back down there and, and the translator we were using was unavailable, I believe. And, and I remember we were at a we were actually at a Chinese restaurant in Japan and uh, what was the town? Um, not I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank. It's in the uh, oh out in Torisawa. Torisawa, yes. Yeah. So we're there, and then we say, okay, we have Part this Otsuki city. Otsuki city. We have this guy Derek that we can call, and then and then they were convinced that you were a Japanese um, <laughs> speaker. I love that. So do you get that often? Well, you know, uh, if it's if it's the usual pleasantries and greetings and things across the across the telephone line. Um, people have enough what enough suspension of disbelief, we might you say. You know that they're expecting the person to be Japanese, so they'll believe I'm Japanese. But you know, I, my accent comes out enough. It, Does it? Well, that's you know, what I was kind of fascinated by. I remember at one time when it, it hit me of I wish I could learn a language well enough to then know what the American accent is, if that uh, makes any sense. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I can see that. What's an American accent in Japanese? I mean, what is, the, what is that? Well, it's, um, a lot of it's over-pronouncing things. Okay. Uh, Japanese requires less muscle movement of, of the lips and the mouth oh, and wow. the tongue. Okay. Than English does. Okay. So when an English speaker learns Japanese, they tend to pronounce things too clearly or too strongly. Their R's are too R-y. <laughs> and, uh, you know, stuff like that is definitely common. Okay. And so okay. you, you an just kind of have to let your mouth relax. Can you give me an example? I'm, I'm dying. I, I well, want to know like, what this looks like. Yeah. Oh, Derek, he froze right when he was going to do that. All right. We're going we're gonna to get him back on here. Hey, <laughs> I, just, I think that was you. This one, I don't was think it? this was, was it? me this time. Okay, the greatest part about that though is I've struggled with putting ads in the middle of a podcast. Like I, you know, and I'll listen to my favorite podcast, and they will like all of a sudden cut in. You literally were about to give us the example, and then and then everything froze. So I'm probably, I but people probably just heard a nice ad. 
for uh, you know Eli's extracts or something like that. So, um, all right, you were about Sorry to give about us that. no, no, I love it. You were about to give us an example of it. So here we go. Yeah. Okay. So Tony, you know how to say thank you in Japanese. Let's hear it. Domo arigato gozaimasu. Hey, there you go. Beautiful. So, so when when an American like uh, an American accent to say that. You you have somewhat of an accent, but you're pretty good. Uh, you know they'd be like "domo arigato gozaimasu." You know okay. the R R like, like a little pirate R pirate. There you go. Yeah. yeah, whereas a real a real would a real pronunciation would be like "domo arigato gozaimasu." You know ah, arigato. There's okay. a less R and more L and D in the R. So stuff like that. I mean, no, I can't give you a perfect native. No, that's great. That, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that to tell you another funny, one of the first things I realized, and I want to get back to what your experience was, but I remember sitting and hearing uh, uh, my um, friend uh, Yoshida-san when he was doing some translation, and, I, and I'm hearing him continually go, ano, ano, and finally yeah. after I say, Hey uh, Tom, what what does "ano" mean? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. And and then finally, I think basically he said it was the Japanese way of going, "Uh, is that is that was that right?" Yeah, exactly. It's one of those interjections that you use as a crutch to kind of you know, tide you over to you know what you want to say. I love mm-hmm. that though that even you know that that is not a universal "uh" is not universal. Is no, that- exactly. It's definitely not. And you'll hear Americans trying to think of what to say in Japanese, but they'll be like, "Uh," you know. And that- <laughs> It yeah. sounds non-native. And then, yeah. Okay, so then the Japanese guys are saying to each other, what does uh mean, right? I mean, <laughs> Yeah, they, they'll, they'll, they'll get it, but yeah, it'll definitely not sound like a Japanese uh, which there's plenty of even among native speakers, sure. Okay, I love that. All right, so um, can I ask you some of the cheesy questions about learning a language? Shoot, man. Okay, yeah. so when did it finally, do you feel like it clicked and you've got this? I mean, how far, how, what, well, how long in are we talking? I'd say um, after spending... Five or six months in Japan. Okay. Um, for the you know the first time, uh, the, that after about six months, I felt like I could say what I needed to say. Okay. You know, I was the the things I was doing in life. I was I generally mastered the things I needed to be able to say for those. Mm-hmm. But I still needed a lot of help. Um, people needed to dumb things down to you know to speak to me. Oh, gotcha. So my listening, I still needed to get a lot better. And, and listening still, I mean, it's an eternal struggle. Is it? And if, okay. people, if people get completely slang, completely um, native, they don't think about, you know, a foreign listener at all. I can still miss some things, um, but, you know, things get better over time. Okay. And then uh, some of the things I've heard before is, I mean, do you remember a time where did you start to dream in Japanese? Yeah, definitely. Um, that happens over time. It, I'd say the first couple of years, I spent two years here, then I went back to the States, and then I came back again uh, 13 years from, you know, before now. Okay. Uh, ago. Ago is what we say in English. And, um, <laughs> before now. <laughs> so 13 years ago, I started to hear the, uh, the, I started to hear more Japanese in my dreams then. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then is it also true, I, I try to wrap my head around, I've heard um, that you go from having to think of what the translation versus just responding is that is there some truth there yeah definitely the brain um reaches a point where you're not thinking you're not thinking okay this is what was japanese i have to convert this to english so i can think about it your brain kind of just starts to think of them as con the things that are being discussed as concepts you know and yeah so so let's go into whatever in your business i mean and you do translation is every day is that safe to say or no i wouldn't say every day um you know, this all this week I'm translating, inter- interpreting, um, but yeah, I'd say I, I translate frequently. Okay, and so yeah. then, do you ever have struggles going back and forth? No, not switching or anything like that anymore. Okay. Um, 
it, only struggles I'll have is I'm in an industry, I'm in medical devices and pharmaceutical type industries, so it'll just be, I'm trying to say, you know, uh, polypropylene butyl or something, you know, in, in Japanese and trying to remember how how that's said or whatever. Okay, and then and, and I do know when I've heard you, you know, in action, I'm trying to pick out words that I can understand, and every now and again, you just you just use the English word, but you make it sound Japanese, true? Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of cognates, a lot okay. of words that come from English into Japan, into Japanese, but if you say them with the perfect English pronunciation, a lot of people will miss them. Okay. So if I want to say computer, uh-huh. I'm going to say computer. Okay. Yeah, and it almost sounds like I'm making fun of a Japanese it, it you know, speaker of English, right? <clears throat> yeah. But really, it's it's because that's the that's the way that you're in Japan is going to hear it best. So I, I want the client to hear it best. So I started in uh, computers. I remember going over and, and hearing, I, I still say, when somebody's talking about a PC, it's PC, right? Or Pasokong. Pasokong. is a common one. Pasokong. Pasonaru computer. They, they, they oh, uh, abbreviate okay. Pasokong. But PC, definitely, yeah. You'll okay. hear PC. All right. And I, think, and I think the particular type of computer at the time that was big in Japan was uh, NEC, and it was NEC. So I was guessing yep. that, okay, right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. There's no C pronunciation in, in the original Japanese alphabet. It's sa shi su se so so just that is is an sh for some reason i love it i love it i do so all right so then you find yourself in any any those first two years i mean does any uh anything come to mind as like embarrassing or funny situations with the language or you know people sometimes say oh i i was talking to an old lady and i basically told her to you know jump off a cliff and you know do you have any of those kind of things (laughs) you know i didn't have any specific uh of you know where where I said something awful or or you know that I didn't mean to say, there was one time where actually a guy from China f- made dinner for my friend and I, and we were speaking to each other in in Japanese, uh, the us and the the guy from China, and he made this dinner and I really didn't like it and I couldn't get it all down. Uh, he made this weird like this weird seafood spaghetti or something. <laughs> And um, I was bad at conjugating. You have to conju- kind of conjugate adjectives here. Okay. And I meant to say I meant to say it was delicious, and then in a Freudian slip or whatever you want to say, I was I said it was not delicious. Right. <laughs> and you're smiling at him as you say that. You know? Yeah. And then I, and then I quickly realized my mistake, and he's like, Ah, but you spoke the truth. You didn't like it. You know, it was so funny. <laughs> oh, I have to tell you. I mean, um, when you say that there was something you couldn't get down, I mean, at this day and age, I feel like that that shocks me, Derek. I mean, I, I can't wait to get into the. <laughs> food portion of the interview because i feel like you are quite the foodie right uh, i like some food but I, I i don't eat there are several things i don't like to eat and i just avoid but okay. definitely okay all right and we'll, we're, we're gonna get to that because I, I don't even know if i believe you that there are things that you don't like to eat um, oh it's right so but uh so then when you get back to the u.s did you i was i'm curious you know every now and again you hear the people come back and they say what's the english word and i and i used to always say ah, i think they're just making that up they're just trying to look cool right but did you struggle with that um, going back no, to English, um, and I'm 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 sort of in your same um, camp there. Either they're trying to sound like they were so great in the other <laughs> language, uh, or or they're just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you you generally don't forget your native language, right? And I just had this thing um, a few minutes ago where I said ago instead of saying ago, I said you know from before. But you know most people most people don't forget their native language, right? Right, right. Okay. Now, when you came back to the U.S., then was it a hey that was a neat experience? File that away. Japanese was fun. I like to eat sushi. You know. And now, I'm, uh, get, where's my apple pie and baseball? Or were you thinking I I want to go back? Yeah. So I was ready to get back. I was ready to get back to the U.S. when I did go home. Um, but I 
pretty quickly, you know, realized I, I wanted to stay connected to Japan somehow. Okay. And so it just happened right, right when I got back that a friend said, hey, you can go work in Las Vegas as a tour guide. Okay. For Japanese tourists, and it's a chance to keep you know speaking Japanese, and making you know some some money before you go into college or whatever. Yeah. So I, I did that. Okay. Where where'd so you take them on tours? What, what what were you what were you doing? Yeah. So so um, we would be like the local tour operators for all of these major tour tour companies, you know, from Japan. I um I would take them on just tours of Las Vegas, take them to Grand Canyon a lot of the time, Zion National Park, Bryce Canyon, Monument Valley, Death Valley sometimes out in California. So yeah, it was uh, you know around the the what the Southwest. How long did you do that? I did that. So I got I got back to the US in 2000 in September. No, in yeah, September. Uh, did that starting almost immediately, like two days after I was back, I was alone in Las Vegas, uh, you know, starting this job. Wow. And I did that until probably January 2002, something like that. After 9-11, there was no tourism for a couple months. And so oh, wow. I uh, quickly ran out of money and just kind of went back uh, to where I was from, Salt Lake, Salt Lake area. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. What did uh, and and I'm boy. Some of these are probably stereotypical questions, right? But yeah, uh, what was what, what? What did you feel like the typical Japanese experience was with Las Vegas? I mean, that's a pretty uh, you know funny place yeah. to say, hey, this is America, right? Um, all these yeah. hotels and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it still is, I'm sure. But at the time, it was you know they had direct flights coming in from Japan. I mean, it was a real boom boom. I think for um, tourists from Japan and. Uh, it was uh, the average thing was you'd get there. A guy like me would go pick him up at the airport, check him into the hotel, try to sell him a few optional tours so I could get my ten dollar commission off each one. Um, and then if it was a tour, you know, out to Grand Canyon or somewhere, uh, it would be you know two. It would be a, usually a three day tour. Okay, I'd be the driver, the guide, the, everything, you know, everything. Okay, bus boy, and uh, you know that the typical experience for them would be to leave Las Vegas early one morning and then drive like six hours out to the Grand Canyon. And they would just be, you know, in disbelief at how long they had to ride in the car. And, oh, okay. And just stuff like that, you know, steak dinners every night. Um, do you remember? Sometimes horses. Oh, okay. Do you remember uh, kind of the, were there some um, typical responses that you, you found pretty funny about when you talk about in the car for so long? Or what were some of the normal responses you would get? Well, yeah, a lot of people couldn't believe that I would be driving for, you know, three or four hours without, you know, any rest or anything. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so what I would do is I would actually play a joke where I would close my eye that was facing them and keep my other eye on the road. And they'd think I'd, like, fallen asleep. I was 21. I mean, I was doing so many stupid things uh, yeah. now that I think about it as a customer service, you know, worker. Sure. But, uh, you know, other things would be, like, steak dinners. We'd have these massive steaks that would be served to these grandmas from Japan, you know. And they were they didn't want to waste food, so they'd yeah. be trying to pack things away. And I'm just like, don't eat it all. You, you know, you don't need to. Okay. Stuff like that. I, yeah. no, I, that's, I, so I, that triggered a memory. Uh, we had some uh, my Japanese business partners here in the Sacramento area at one point and took them to the Claim Jumper restaurant. And I mean, everybody wanted to hold the plate up here and get a picture with like had the portion size, you know. And then I remember bringing, uh, bringing one of our um, mutual uh, Japanese um, friends here and we went to a big barbecue place and they served just the water in one of those mason jars and they set it down for him and he's ready to parse it out to everybody else. 
you know? <laughs> right. And we're like, no, that's it's your own. Fortune. Yeah, that's your personal mason jar, which uh, it was blown away. And then just for fun, we ordered him that had a full rack of ribs, a chicken breast, and a steak, I think, and just to blow his mind, you know? And but, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it was a fun thing. It was fun to see the the you know, eyes as big as saucers looking at these meal and, and they thought, you know, if I don't pack this away, I'm going to be, you know, committing a serious faux pas. It, it was a, it was a look of horror on yeah. these people's faces. Now, they liked it though. That, well, then as I say that, I think, wow, you know, how jaded am I though, where I'm, I'm saying, isn't that funny that we can waste that much food, you know? Yeah. And, and now you're over in Japan where I can't even find, I, I can't even find a garbage can half the time. You know, it's, I mean, people are so just, yeah. you know, they don't waste. Uh, is that, is that the case? Yeah, there's a lot less waste, I'd say. Um, in Japan, usually when you're served a meal, you, you go ahead and clean your whole plate. They might bring you more if you ask for it, but, you know, you, you tend to do it all, uh, eat, eat it all if you can. Okay. Uh, but I'm trying to avoid that just because I'm getting too fat. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the general rule. Well, you know, and I did just have, uh, um, I was trading messages with my, my old friend Yoshida-san about uh, Thanksgiving, and he said that he was able to actually find a butterball turkey at a Costco. So both of those yeah. things alone were kind of pretty funny. But he said he didn't have the oven that was big enough to cook it. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, is that the case? Do you, is, yeah, you don't, yeah, the average Japanese house does not have a, a large oven. Usually it's just a... It's just an oven function on your microwave that'll actually heat up, you know, a convection type oven. Wow. But it's not large, or you'll have like a little toaster. So what I did was, uh, in order to make Thanksgiving happen a few times, I got the big um, turkey fryer sent over from the U.S. You and did. I just find the right oil, and I'll do the the deep fried turkey. And then is that a hit in the neighborhood, or do people think you're kind of nuts? Yeah, well, I, you know, I learned a while ago, you know, you might be barbecuing out front, but people aren't usually interested in Japan in just getting your food, you know, and like trying it. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, there's not as much of a tradition of, hey, I'm cooking this meat here, have some of it. But um, people that ate it really did enjoy it. Yeah, it was good. Okay. Brined it. Yeah. Fried it. Did it. Um, so, so then talk, going back to Vegas and what, what brought you out of Vegas and then what was the, you know, I, I don't really know if I remember the story of when did you meet your wife and what took you back to Japan? Yeah. So my wife was, um, a, an exchange, she's from Japan. She was an exchange student at UNLV okay. studying hotel management. And, um, with the student visa, they could work some hours in their studied industry in their same industry. So she would work, um, as a tour guide oh. and we both would be waiting for planes or, you know, kind of in the same circles. Uh, uh, and that's how we met. Okay. And so, and, and so were you, at that when things started to look like I could go live in Japan, I mean, was that pretty exciting, or did you feel like she would end up living in the U.S.? What were your thoughts at first? Yeah, so um, you know, when we started talking about getting married, it was uh, it was mostly yeah, you know, we'll be here in the U.S. Okay, um, so a lot of false pretenses uh, by me uh, <laughs> getting her to marry me, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, uh, we ended up getting married uh, a couple years after meeting, and then in. 2004, about a year after getting married, I decided I wanted to study Japanese politics. And so I said, you know, let's let's move from the States and go to Japan. Okay. All right. Now, that's a, this is going to be a fun topic here. So what got you yeah. into Japanese politics? Well, I was I, – I'd, I'd, I'd had a few Japanese politicians come and be on my tours with me. Okay. And, you know, sometimes they'd just assign me to a couple of people and then they'd, it'd be like a VIP tour where I just took them everywhere and um, – Politicians had done, had come a couple times that way, and I just chatted them up about you know what's Japanese politics all about, you know, and they'd tell me, 
And then I uh, had a chance to interpret at the Salt Lake 2002 Olympics in oh, Salt Lake. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and, and um, it was really a, a, a terrible assignment to put me on the job when I think about it, because I'd never really done a ton of interpreting, but they had me interpret for the mayors of Salt Lake City and the mayor of uh, Matsumoto, Japan, which is the sister city. Wow. And and I, and I, and I had a really good time doing that. Um, I felt like I was successful when I got the mayor's joke across into Japanese and everybody laughed at the same time. I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> do you remember what the joke um, was? Do you remember what the joke was? No, it was, it, okay. So the mayor was Rocky Anderson yeah. of Salt Lake. He's kind of a, a fun mayor. He was, you know, really, really uh, character. And he, he, but it wasn't a great joke. He just said, he just said, man, I'd like to switch jobs with you to the, uh, you know, the mayor from, from Japan, you know, like I'm so busy. This is such a crazy time. Yeah. Just kind of something like that. Okay. But you know, any, any little quip in that situation is just, you know, riotous laughter because it's such a serious thing to have these meetings. So anyway, I, I had that experience and I, and I started thinking, okay, I want to study Japanese politics, maybe become a U.S. Uh, diplomat. Okay. Uh, who knows Japan, be a Japan hand. That was kind of the, the very poorly planned idea at the time. Okay, and I have to, real quick, uh, when you talk about people come on your tours and you had these Japanese VIPs, I mean, what were the equivalent you know, in the U.S.? Did you have uh, any movie stars or athletes or that sort of thing? There were a couple athletes, um, and not, not super famous, but the... And the politicians too. Nobody crazy famous. Um, it'd be like the equivalent of like a congressman or a senator, maybe from the U.S. You know, nothing, nothing super, but you know, somebody that at the time, as a twenty-one-year-old, you know, who'd never met anybody big from Japan, I was like, wow, you know, this is the most important person ever. Kind oh, of okay, yeah. Reaction. So then, yeah, right, was, was your was your wife excited that you were you, you wanted to move back? Yeah, I. It's kind of hard to remember. Yeah. I'm so self-centered. I don't think about how anybody <laughs> else feels about situations. Well, that's, um, a, that's a whole other podcast, by the way. We'll have you back it on. Really that is one, right. Yeah. Um, I think she was. I think she was. Uh, I think she was okay with it. Um, but uh, I do. In you know, uh, she went back. We we went back and ended up. You know, she, she ended up uh, working and having a good experience there. But I, I, you know, she might have been sort of surprised that I decided I wanted to do that. But I, the, part of the deal was I want to go to a Japanese university. Ah. So that's kind of, I think, how I sold it. Sold it. Okay, I love it. Yeah. That never happened. Yeah, it never happened. Okay, so you moved back. Did you uh, <coughs> Did you go right back to, I mean, did you move to Hachioji, where you are now? Yeah, so my wife's family was from there. So we, we went and lived with my in-laws uh, to start out. How was that? Without any money. Yeah, it was, it was an experience. I mean, I, um, I had lived in Japan, but I had never lived in a Japanese family. Okay. And so that's well, another level. Well, well, yeah, what, were the, what were the big differences? I mean, what, what was that like? Well, stuff like, um, you know, a traditional Japanese household, uh, a son-in-law is not going to be trying to wash the dishes or open up the fridge and start cooking stuff. Really? Uh, yeah, things like that were probably a shock to the in-laws. And um, what else? I mean, just just little um, little nuances, you know, just how we interacted, uh, trying to stay out of discussions my my wife and her mom might be having about stuff uh it was just a yeah how to live in the neighborhood function with everybody well so that was, uh, well i'm curious so when i would go over there i mean we would you know as americans i think we would just assume that hey we're we're the fun loving americans and everybody's excited to have us here and then my <laughs> you know my uh my japanese business partner would would kind of uh tell us at times that oh, you can dial it down a little bit and you know and i remember the trying to 
really, you know, I think we hear, hey, it's the, there's some cultural differences and they really are significant. And um, but I think we would always think, yeah, but we're Americans. I mean, it's come on, it's no big deal. I mean, but do you like it? Are is there a big difference there culturally? Um, yeah, definitely. Okay, definitely there is, and, and you know, it's true. You can always. You can most almost every situation here. You can play the yeah, but I'm a foreigner card. Okay. Uh, you can you know put it put it bluntly. You can behave badly, and people yeah. will give you the benefit of the doubt. Or you can break certain uh, you can break certain rules or not not have certain manners uh, and and get by. But it's the uh, opportunity loss that that you sustain when you do that that's that's what you should think about you know if you can learn one little cultural uh, custom that yeah. you can master if you always bow well or you always give your business card that's skillfully the one. yes okay yeah yeah it's that that wins you major points because the expectation level for you is zero they okay. expect you to know nothing they expect a complete barbarian right <laughs> so you yeah. just step in and do one little thing and they're like wow this guy is amazing that's funny when you yeah. talk about the business so the business card one really was uh, i'm holding a business card now but i mean it's you know it is like i mean it is such a here it is and you're handing it forward and right yeah, it's oh, it's huge. I mean, well, you face the you face your name towards them so they can read it. You hand it with two hands, uh-huh. and when they hand their card, you know, you you hold with your right and grab with theirs with your left and do a nice little simultaneous switch. That's that makes people feel good. And then you're and you act extremely impressed with this card, like you've never seen anything this amazing and wonderful. <laughs> Right. That's, you gaze down at it like it's, you know it's the treasure of the East that you've never seen before, and it's like wow, okay, great, so nice, you know, so nice to meet you. Uh, yeah. It's good. I mean, because it, it's a it's a person, it's a representation of that person's name, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and and so it's a real respectful thing to treat that card nicely. I, so if you can ask something like that. Oh, and so I remember uh, um, our our guy had uh, had us. Um, he translated our names and stuff in Japanese. Put it on the back of the card and so i mean and it was boy he, we were pre- presented in english and then he would you know yoshida-san would say a bunch of things get really excited everybody would flip the card over and then oh my gosh it was like the greatest day ever right the big unfailing yeah. that's awesome i love it yeah that's great that's great stuff and you know the fact that your card was in japanese on the back signified you know just you're you're trying to come along with the program here you know you're yeah, you're, you're getting along with folks. Yeah, are there other? Uh, you know, I like how you say if you really just kind of focus on even one or two things, you can you can it'll make a big deal. What are some things that you think that would be beneficial for somebody to know or do first time over in Japan, for example? Well, yeah. Um, well, the the continuation of the business card thing is that once you've got the card from the person, you're gonna if you're having a meeting, you want to place the card in front of you on the table mm-hmm. and not play around with it. Um, not, you know, not stick it immediately in your pocket after getting it, maybe yeah. keep it out as though it needs something that needs to be honored, continue, you know, for a little longer. <laughs> um, that's definitely a good move. The, the, there's a story and it's probably apocryphal, but they say that there was a huge investment deal on the line and these Americans came to meet with the Japanese, uh, you know, counterparts. And when one of them got their counterparts business card, he absentmindedly later in the meeting was picking his teeth with it or something (laughs) and lost the deal. You know, the, the, the story goes that, you know, I love it. I love that there's urban legends like that. I love that. I had no idea. 
Um, and it, it's probably a kernel of truth, and you know, um, but it's true. But I'd say, yeah. What other things? Um, okay, so you have a meal with business clients or with just friends, uh, mm-hmm. anybody in Japan, anybody who you want to show respect to in Japan. You have a meal with those people. There's always going to be um, a toast to start the meal. Kanpai. You're not gonna right. Yeah, yeah the kanpai, right? Yeah. You're not gonna start eating. You're not gonna start drinking till everybody's ready. And there's a you know there's a little ceremony. Hey, you know, thanks everybody. And the, you'll have you'll have the kanpai, which is great. But what you want to do is you want to pour the drinks for your ah. for your want to show respect to, okay. right? So you'll hold the the bottle or beer or whatever it is uh, with both hands and you'll you know nudge it towards them like hey i want to pour your drink and they're going to pick up their glass and they're going to accept your drink and they're going to pour for you somebody's going to pour for you okay. and when somebody pours for you you're going to hold your cup up off the table with one hand under it one hand holding it <laughs> and you're going to thank them you know for pouring your drink little things like that are going to go a super long way. Oh, I love it. All right, I almost feel like I have to apologize and say, uh, hey, um, go on my little ADD uh, journey with me here about Japanese things, because I just thought of uh, eight other things that I want to ask you about. Um, let me throw <laughs> One is that the very first time I'm there, first time ever, and we immediately go to this uh, a um, ramen um, restaurant, and, uh-huh. and I had already read in a book that you can slurp your soup. I mean, you slurp your ramen, you pick up your bowl, and you yeah, drink it, right? Yeah, yeah, and, sure. and so within seconds, I pick it up and I dump it all over my lap, um, and so I dump the whole thing on. And so I, I don't think I've ever been more embarrassed in my life. And I'd already asked for a fork at one point, which they didn't have. Which so I'm already zero for two. And then I go into a bathroom, and then I'm got my pants off, and I'm trying to wash them in the sink. And a woman walks in, and apparently it was a, you know, like a community bathroom. I mean, it's a comedy of errors. My goodness. <laughs> I was, yeah. They're like, "What's wrong with this guy? He just dumps his ramen on his lap." <laughs> but then, so is there? Is that? Re- I mean, do you really slurp? I mean, is that? You know, you hear these uh, stereotypes yeah. of you know, is that real? Does that show? Oh yeah, yeah, you slurp ramen noodles, but it's the noodles you slurp. So you, you the bowl stays on the table for now. Ah, okay. Point. Uh, I wish uh, I would have known that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. That that prevents lap lap dumping. And then what you want to do is you want to you want to you know eat the noodles. Um, and you'll have a, a big old spoon that you can scoop, you know, the broth out with. But what you're doing when you slurp the noodles, there's a reason for it. It cools the noodles down. It's running air over the noodles while they're ah, coming into your mouth to okay. not burn mouth. Okay. And so that's the reason for that. And but yeah, you slurp them up, you know, with a. You don't have to make a sound that's, you know, abnormally <laughs> loud or. Ah, okay. Slurp them up. I mean, okay. see what they're doing next to you and do that. Yeah, yeah. And then, okay, then my other uh, train of thought here was, I, and I know we've been at places with you where you we aren't sitting on a chair, we're sitting on the floor. And, oh, yeah, and, and you watch the American, I, we can't do it. I mean, how long does it take you to be able to sit there for hours, you know, Indian, cross-legged or Indian style? Yeah, you start, you, start, you start developing little techniques, I think. But the big thing is, if it's a formal you know, meal or whatever, you want to start out on your knees, you know, like you're, like you're kneeling before your sensei in the karate dojo or whatever. Um, you want to start out on your knees, but if you stay there any amount of time, your, your legs are going to fall asleep like really fast, you know, and then it's going to be like mad pins and needles while you're trying to talk to people and it's going to be really (laughs) uncomfortable. So you can switch to sitting, you know, on your haunches, uh, pretty quickly after that. But you want to switch positions. You want to try and keep your back straight. Uh, mm. It's one of the things that helps me a lot. And, uh, that that helps to you know 
stave off some of the fatigue. Sure. But if you have bad knees or you have, you know, um, bad hips or whatever, uh, you might want to tell your host or whoever, I could use a table seat if we got one. Ah, okay. I never even thought about that, quite frankly. Yeah. And people, people are getting old in Japan. You know, the population in Japan is aging a lot, and it's it's harder for the older people, you who even who grew up here, to sit on the you know mats, uh, okay. you know, yeah. cross legged. So, yeah, more table restaurants. Lately. So let me jump in. I, where time is flying here, the oh, po- yeah. the politics. So, um, so you're you're interested in Japanese politics. You you move over to Japan, and then are, and what happens next in the political realm? <laughs> Right, so um, I, I wanted to study Japanese at a Japanese, uh, sorry, politics at a Japanese university, but um, I hadn't planned anything. It, I was completely the wrong time of year to start, you know, applying or any of that. And so what I did was I looked up who was the local member of the national parliament, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, saw his name and his the address of his office, and I just kind of went down there unannounced and knocked on the door and said, um. I'm an American. My wife's from here. I want to learn about Japanese politics. You know, will you let me volunteer? And and they didn't call me back for about two or three weeks. And I was like, yeah, then I, you know, they're not going to let it happen. And then they did, and they let me come do it. And so I worked as a volunteer, kind of, you know, with this uh, with this politician's office for a couple months. And then he hired me as a as an aide wow. to just do you know the regular work with him. How long did you do that? So I did that for about a what. A, well, full time, I was. I did that about a year and a half. Wow! And then I um, started going to school, and uh, after that, I uh, still have always helped out ever since. Uh, when there's an election, I'll you know go help out, things like that. Okay. Yeah, but I since then I you know I got my own career. So do you feel like you were? I mean, did you did you scratch that itch as far as learning what you wanted to know about Japanese politics? Was it kind of neat to see the behind the scenes? Oh yeah, it was it was a dream. It was really fun, um, you know. Uh, it was not, hey, we have this American. We're going to show him around and let him look at you know some political situations. It was, you work for me now. You do this work, you know. Wow. Um, so, just being the regular grunt political aide, uh, got to see all of the stuff that happens and learned a lot about how it works. What what are the main so are there are there major differences that you can kind of speak to in Japanese wow. versus American politics? Well, Japanese politics is much more dependent on a personal connection between the voter and the the politician. Okay. In um, in the U.S., you'll be more likely to vote on the issues, or you know, because you're part oh. of a particular political tribe, yeah, uh, or whatever, right? Especially these days. But um, in Japan, it's more. I know that guy or that guy is, you know, that guy's friends with my cousin or that guy came to my grandma's funeral or, you know, um, it's more of a it's more of a personal connection that says I trust this person to have my my locals, my local area's interests at heart. You know, uh, this is the guy I want or the, the lady I want in office, you know, to represent us. So it's still ideological some, but it's more it's more personal. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and do you have? You I mean, know. is there the normal two? Two? I mean, how many parties are in uh, Japan? Oh, there's several parties. There's one party that's been largely dominant since uh, after World War II. Oh wow! Uh, the LDP, as it's called, the Liberal Democratic Party, mm. which is neither liberal nor democratic. They always say. Oh, okay. Um, it's kind of the conservative, business, more business friendly um, party. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, they've dominated politics, but they've had you know several different opposition parties and and minor parties. But what they have here is um, proportional representation 
So it's not always just one person against another, you know, it's not just a two-person race in each um, district. It's, mm. you know, multi-parties. And even if a party doesn't win a particular district, they have at-large seats so ah. that they'll represent even very minor parties in the national government. So anyway, it's more, it's more um, diverse, okay. less you know, one-on-one negative campaign type. Oh, okay, okay, that's kind of fascinating. So you don't see the smear campaigns or the commercials where this person beats their kids, you know, that, that kind yeah, of thing. Is it, yeah. None of that? A lot less that. Um, I'd say the average Japanese voter is much uh, much less affected or is turned off more uh, okay. by negative campaigning. It, they want to know what the person's about, not what they're not about. It's kind of refreshing. It is, it's, it, but it's not. It's not perfect. You know, there's a lot of problems with the system here. But um, it's. I like that part of it. It's yeah. not a two-party system, and that eliminates some of the some of the negativity. Yeah. Is it so? Do you still keep an eye on U.S. politics? I mean, you've been there now. What, thirteen years? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. This time around, it's been thirteen years, and um, I do I do keep a close eye on on U.S. politics. And I gotta say, since I'm not there on the you know on the ground, you know, talking to family or coworkers all the time. I get a lot of, you know, my info from news or from Twitter or from Facebook or whatever. Yeah. And I probably have a skewed view of some things, you know, yeah. it's probably, but yeah, it definitely doesn't feel super positive to me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so then, and are you, are you ideally hoping to, I mean, what's your future in politics in Japan? Yeah, so um, I, I would like to be useful to my community. Mm. Uh and as part of that, um, I would, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking I might, uh, you know, get into city level politics. Love it. Yeah. 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 So, so, so when that, yeah. And, and that, that requires, you know, some steps and things, but, um, that's kind of the idea. I think that would be a fun thing. And I, I think I could do, I could do a good job. So someday this podcast, I will, we will look back and I'm speaking to the prime minister of Japan. <laughs> Definitely not. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Definitely um, not. Okay, so and I just uh, I have so many random thoughts that just went through my head about um, you know it, it, let me let me one quick one is I I want to respond to you in uh, in Japanese as if I was in Japan you know and and you would never you know you would never uh, acknowledge my attempts in Japanese and now I can find out why Derek what you know did I was it yeah <laughs> yeah let me cut to the chase with that I mean <laughs> I just have. Uh, I just get a really, a really awkward no feeling in my in my heart when, when uh, when I have to communicate in a language that is less effective than another language. Okay, that for sense. the two people, I, you know, for me and the person I'm talking with. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and that's a terrible thing because it means I'm never helping anybody out with like, getting better at a language. <laughs> Uh, it's totally self-centered. I like to think, you know, no, we need to get this. We have a purpose. We need to achieve the purpose. Um, but there's just an awkwardness that I think, you know, when I was first um, working, you know, doing service, uh, they always said, even if you're both Americans, you got to both speak Japanese to each other. And that's what I was and asking earlier. So this makes more sense. Okay, yeah, because to you, you're like, hey, we've got an effect. Yes. We've got things we have to do. So that's cute that you're going, hi, hi, but come on, we got stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's really just that I'm a selfish, selfish person. <laughs> really, what it comes down. Oh. I don't want to feel awkward and, and like be like, yeah, yeah. yeah sure, that's that's <laughs> cute, right? But anyway, um, but I do love though. Yeah. I mean, when I when I, I there's this thing that I love though about when when Japanese people are talking to each other and there's there is more of an engagement. I feel like in the 
conversation via this word, it's high, right? I mean, is that the purpose yeah, of that? Hi. Yeah, I mean, when people are, that, is it that I'm tracking, I'm following? I mean, is that the concept? Yeah, high, you know, high is often translated to people as meaning yes. Mm. Um, but what it really means is what you have said is correct. Ah, hi. I'm affirming what you have said. Okay. And so, yeah, if they say, so you didn't, didn't you go to the movie yesterday? And they would say in Japan, hi. I did not. Like, yes, I did not go. Ah. What you've said is correct. Okay. Um, which is kind of the opposite from the way English is phrased, right? You say, no, I didn't go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's that kind of thing. Um, uh, high is very good. Yeah, okay. Very useful. I like that. And then, okay, so uh, and, and did you – so kind of jumping off a little bit here. So the politics, I, I love that. We're going to follow, you know, where you go in politics. I'm excited <laughs> about that. Um, did, you yeah. have, did you have a cable access show at one time or a TV show? Oh, I still do. Yeah, you do. I, I still have it. Um, okay, what's it called? It's um, so it's 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 a local. Yeah, it's local cable television. I live in a city of five hundred eighty thousand people. Wow. And there is a um, a cable TV company that's all over Japan, but they for each of their separate kind of you know broadcast cities or reg- or areas, they have a, a channel that's just for that area, right? So on that channel, I do a show that's um, it is like. I, you might call it the a guide to the people of Hachioji. It's <laughs> the theme is you talk for about twenty minutes with somebody who's doing something interesting, who either lives or works in Hachioji. So what? And how long and, have you been doing uh, that show? It's been uh, actually over a year now. Um, we do they we have one new episode a week. We tape once a month for five episodes, and then we uh, you know sp- sparse them out across the spread them out across the weeks. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've done about 60 or 70 of those now. Wow. Just get to meet cool people and ask them questions. Okay. Um, and, uh, we can find that on Netflix or Hulu here in the States. Uh, It's on, it's on YouTube. Is it Uh, really? Oh, Derek. You have have to search in Japanese, but it's all over. Yeah. A ton of the episodes are on YouTube now. Okay. uh, Just me talking to a person. No, it's. I just want you. To, I, before we're, before I post this, I'd love for you to send me a link, and I will put that in the the podcast notes. That would be a blast. Yeah, right? sure. Why not? That'd be good. Okay. <laughs> um, before we before we disappear, talk to me about mm-hmm. about food. Then, I mean, when I go to Japan, I am counting on Derek. You know, to to take me to all <laughs> kinds of good places. I trust everything he says. If if we walk into a conference, you know, if we've been doing some business, and then they, you know, the company that we were working with. All of a sudden, they would send us into a little room, and there's these bento boxes. I'm looking at Derek, and I'm and I'm counting on. I trust in Derek on. Yeah, eat this, eat this. This one a little weird, you know that sort of thing. So I mean, <laughs> do you? I, what's uh, how is your relationship with the Japanese food? Yeah, I mean, uh, food's a really big percentage of my happiness in life. I think <laughs> okay. at least my my short term happiness, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, yeah, I, I like food a lot, and when I talk about Japan to anybody from outside Japan, one of the big reasons I talk about for loving and wanting to be here all the time is the food. You know, um, Japanese food you can eat. You know, Japanese food is really diverse, and there's a lot of different things. But generally, a, an average Japanese dish isn't gonna. You're not gonna get tired of it so fast. Ah. You know, it's not gonna over you and so you can eat Japanese food you know on the long term without without getting tired of it but um yeah there are so many aspects of Japanese food that I feel like I really need to evangelize to people about okay things like real ramen that's not instant ramen you yeah. know 
uh, it's not poor college food for 20 cents a pack. It's like, you know, it's a soup that a, a, a ramen shop owner has developed over like 30 years. Wow. And he spends 24 hours putting the broth together and the noodles are a certain way. And he's got, it's just, it is a work of art, you know, uh, and it's, but it's, it's, it's just working people food that okay. costs, you know, six bucks for a big bowl, that kind of stuff. I love that though, and we were we were in Oakland for uh, my son's basketball tournament a few a couple months ago, and people wanted to go find the Taco Bell, and there was this ramen shop there in downtown Oakland, and and you know, and it was it was I I had to go there, and it was amazing, and it was a unique flavor, and I mean, so I kind of I never thought about it this year as you are evangelizing, but uh, that's boy, what a different experience than Top Ramen with my little packet that uh, I'm dumping in the <laughs> yeah. hot water, right? And Top Ramen has its place, you know. It's like a frozen Totino's pizza versus a really good one from a restaurant. They're both, you know, they're both exquisite. They both have their place. Uh, sure. It's for watching, you know, it's for watching Fox 13 late at night. The others for, you know, uh, for a fancy meal, but they're both great. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, ramen's a big one. Um, another, uh, obviously, is is just sushi and sashimi, like the level of fish, just the freshness and and uh, seafood. Well, and that's the, Man, I mean, I, when you hear people talk about sushi in the in America. I mean, is it kind of like okay, but you don't even understand what it's like to you know? Is it is it different? Is it that different in Japan? Yeah, I think. Well, you know, America, uh, the U.S. has has done stuff with sushi that Japan could have never done. That's great. Like the rolls. I mean, it's I think roll centric. You know, in Absolutely. the U.S. Yeah. Um, a lot of that is because the fish is this good, <laughs> probably most gotta, of the time. Cover it up. So. Yeah. You gotta cover it up with mayonnaise and you know <laughs> deep fry uh, it and all that. Yeah. You know, hot dog bits or whatever you guys are putting on sushi over there. <laughs> but like <laughs> But but when I was living, you know, in Las Vegas after living in Japan, uh, I used to love going to the all you can eat sushi sushi place and just, you know, packing away those rolls. That was great. Yeah. Um but but Japan's more centered on, you know, the actual fish uh being, you know, augmented by the, the rice you know, and the soy sauce, um, and the wasabi, but the, the, the super fresh fish, if you go down to the, the Tsukiji market, uh, the famous, you know, early morning auction market, in Tokyo, I'm sure you probably ended up doing that. Well, so, um, it's a great jet lag. Activity. I was going to say, and I used to jog there. Um, I would run miles and miles to get there just to watch the ships come in and all that. So I did that. I've done that, uh, you know, a dozen times or more. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that if you go to one of the sushi places there, um, it's incredible. Uh, and the 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 thing you want to do at least once is go to one of the shops where you don't even get to choose what you eat. It's just oh. the master chef is going to make a meal for you from whatever's best that day, whatever's freshest. Wow! And you'll get something you would have never ordered that you'll be like that's incredible okay uh, and you know it's it's expensive, but that's a really good experience too. Derek were you were you uh, this will either ring a bell or I or it won't and I apologize if I, I don't remember because I was so traumatized but were you with me there um and I I ate uh the guy just cut the shrimp and the tail was still moving and and I go to bring and I thought it had calmed down and I go to bring the piece up to my mouth and the tail gives me one of these just smack on my hand and I threw the thing all the way across the sushi like the restaurant was that were you with me on that one no, okay. I was not there for that okay. that's great yeah I was, I was I never forget that because it was I mean that's how fresh it was I mean this day this guy was moving and yeah. then now he's not and then he gave me one more little flap of his tail though on the way into my mouth and I lost it last yeah. nervous hurrah <laughs> yeah I um <laughs> 
I'm not a I'm not a I'm not an animal rights activist by any means, but I'm also not a big like fan of the we're going to nail a squid to the oh. you know the cutting board right now and cut, you know cut it up for you. That's going to be so fresh. I, yeah, I'm not not yeah. super into that. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's that's yeah, that's pretty disturbing. <laughs> and then uh, and what I do think about my time with you though, it is sh- talk, talk about shabu shabu. What is shabu shabu, and why oh, is it the yes. greatest thing in the world? <laughs> yes. So shabu shabu is very thinly sliced beef or pork usually uh, and various vegetables. And then there's just a really lightly flavored broth. It's just flavored a little bit with kelp with some seaweed mm-hmm. and maybe some chicken stock or something. And you get that pot boiling and, you know, you'll throw some vegetables and things in to just kind of get going simmering and you'll grab these strips, these these big, you know, uh, thinly sliced pieces of meat, right? You'll mm. dip them into the boiling s- broth. You'll swish it around, and it will immediately get, you know, basically cooked through. And then you dip it in some, some kind of a sauce oh, and eat it, right? Man, yeah. Incredible. Yeah, and we found in Hachiochi there's an all-you-can-eat Shabu Shabu restaurant <laughs> that we would just go. Right. That was our other jam other than the kebab. Uh, place that yeah you know that wasn't even like super high quality meat but what you'll find is you can take a pretty low quality cut of meat and cut it thin and it's pretty great yeah and did you tell me that i mean did they they had their eyes on us when we would have a few americans in that place i mean was there like a time limit or they would cut us off yeah yeah i think it was usually 90 minutes okay Uh, you can can, uh stuff yourself for 90 minutes don't forget to get some ice cream and then you're done yeah Yeah, that was a meal right you just roll Yeah, do you miss it? You know, oh, as oh, I get older, obviously it's less that, and I'm trying to find something a little more than you know, all fancy, and it's less less portion, but it's still fun to do. Yeah, do you miss anything from the the U.S. food wise, or can you pr- pretty much find anything you want there? Well, these days, you know, the last decade, um, Costco, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot more American food and Mexican food here. Even you know, you can get okay. some Chipotle type really? burrito places in Tokyo okay um, what you can't do is like a real authentic Mexican taco cart okay you know just like set up on the side of the street for me it's I'm from Salt Lake City so it's that old Sears parking lot at like 8th South and State Street with just like these carts they're you know some of them have a health code permit <laughs> some of them don't those yeah. are the ones uh, now that's, okay and have you ever thought about honestly about bringing something like that to Japan I mean do you get those thoughts from time to time I used to get those thoughts. I also used to get thoughts of starting a ramen shop in the U.S. Oh yeah, um, but both on both counts, it came down to making the honest, uh, you know, uh, st- the, honestly conceding to myself that I don't want to work at a ramen shop all day. Okay, fair point, right? <laughs> or I don't want to run a restaurant or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just to, just to have if somebody wanted to run it for me. Yeah, I didn't have to pay them, then that would be great. But yeah, yeah. So, so at this point, I mean, do you feel like, um, and I don't know if this is a fair question to ask you, but I mean, thirteen years in, I mean, do you feel like that you are you are there? That is that is your that is your place. You know, you you are uh, going to live there forever. I mean, is yeah. that kind of the thought process? Yeah, that's the thought process. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I'm pretty. I'm pretty self-aware that I like it here better than anywhere. Mm. And, uh, you know, I miss, I miss my family and friends and I miss the desert Mm. and I miss Mexican taco carts. But other than that, life is really good over here. It's a very safe place. Food's great and everything. So yeah, I'm here. 
Hey, so and, uh, talk, I mean, and maybe real quick before we go to that part where, I mean, every yeah. time I have been there, and I've probably been there, I don't know, 40, 50 times, that, that you know, people always comment on how safe it is. And, and I do mm-hmm. feel that. Um, why do you think that's the case? I mean, what, I mean, what is that all about? Well, there's a, the average person has a lot less propensity to break the law. Okay. Um, there's a general, there's a pretty solid, you know, lowest level of, uh, of, uh, income or, or poverty level. Okay. There's not a ton of, I mean, there's poverty here, but there's not this, you know, there's not widespread poverty that would kind of lead to more crime. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. people get enough to, to get by in, in most cases. And, um, it's just culturally, I think, um, it's just a huge shame to break the law and to do something violent. So, Uh So, and there was always the, the joke that I would hear is that if you dropped a hundred dollar bill on the sidewalk, you could come back tomorrow and it would still be there. I mean, <laughs> is that, that's an exaggeration yeah. or, you know, well, no, I mean, it would probably be at the local police box. Uh, somebody would have uh, turned it in. You know, I've lost my wallet probably three times here. It's always come back intact. Really? Never had much in it to begin with, unfortunately, but you know, it's, um, people are really honest here you know sometimes when a kid finds like a 10 yen a 10 10 cent about coin uh-huh. their parents might take them all the way to the police box to turn it in just to show them you know it's, it's important to be honest if it's not something yours don't you know if it's not yours don't keep it wow it's, it's cool you know yeah it, it's it, the, the cultural thing uh, without going into it you know too long is that it's not in american movies and things you know, the rebel is kind of the, the protagonist. They're kind of the guy you're, you're behind. Um, and there's some of that in Japan, but it's not like, oh, you know, laws were made to be broken. Okay. There isn't that whole set. It's yeah. more, you know, we have laws and that makes everybody happy overall. Gotcha. <laughs> no, that makes more sense. That is, that's kind of interesting. That is. Um, yeah. Hey, do you want to talk a little bit about, I mean, I don't even know if you want or need to plug your business. I mean, do you have more work than you could ever need or... Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, I just have a business that um, caters to medical device or pharmaceutical companies who want to do business from, you know, make a product in Japan, sell it in the U.S. or, or vice versa. Um, how can I'm people doing okay, find though. Yeah, how can people find you? Yeah. Um, I have a company called Jataki Company. I see you're wearing a Jataki shirt, by the way. Is that right? I am wearing a Jataki shirt. That's right. It's kind of hard to read the font, probably. No, I I dig it. J-A-T-A-K-I. Yeah, if you look up J-A-T-A-K-I, it'll show up. Yeah, and and, and remind me, what does Jataki mean? It's just the name of a waterfall near where I was, uh, near near the mountain Mount Takao, where I where I live. Okay, I I, Uh, I can't I can't let you get away. Then what's that? I'm sorry, I cut you off. What's that? It just means snake waterfall, yeah. Snake waterfall. I, you just reminded me of, so you've got this Mount Takao, and you you know, you know, get out and do a little bit of running. And I never, I, I mean, it, it makes me laugh every time when I think about, I mean, there are monkeys in the woods there, tr- right? <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah, and, and I thought somebody was, was, was joking with me when I first learned that uh, living in Japan. They're like, no, there are monkeys in these woods. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we're talking, this is right like out of your backyard. Pros or one of those... Yeah. No, Summer of the Monkeys or one of those books, you know, where that's not possible. Uh, they had to be from a zoo. No, but yeah, there's a native J- Japanese macaque, it's called. Uh, it's kind of monkey that lives out in the woods here. So have you You'll been out on a hike? Yes, yeah, so you've been on a hike and there's a monkey all of a sudden? 
Yeah, uh, you know, I've run into seven or eight monkeys together, uh, you know, on multiple occasions, and they're pretty cool. But if you if you look them in the eye or if you show your teeth, they get really mad. They'll start, you know, showing their teeth at you. And oh man! They'll get aggressive. Okay. Yeah, that's frightening. That is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Oh, dear. No, they're cool though. They're they're mostly just cute. They got these little red butts. They're okay. Cute. Oh, they're those kind. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Derek, this, yeah, has been a, this has been a, 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 a pleasure, and I know when we're done, I'm going to think of 10 other questions I wish I would have asked you, but I appreciate you taking the time. Um, you were pretty busy during the political season there in Japan, and, and I know I was dying to yeah. get you on. I'd love to have you on again to talk about the self-centeredness. No, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, I need some therapy, man. We can do it on the, on the podcast. Right That's right, yeah, real, real live therapy. No, but I really, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, I and mean, I'm just fascinated by the idea. And, and you know, I did a mailbag podcast yesterday that I posted, and just one of the concepts is, uh, or one of the questions I get a lot are people who ask about job change and career change. And, and you know, and, and I think a lot of people just, they will think about something like, I would love to go live in a foreign country, but it's just not possible. So, I mean, I think that's the part where I just was so fascinated by what your experience has been like. And uh, and it's it was something that you, I mean, I'm sure that there was, or I wonder, was there a part of you when you first started thinking, I want to go live in Japan, that was like, people don't just go do that. I mean, was that was there a little bit of hesitation there? There was a little bit. I mean, I'd experienced living in Japan before, so I had some confidence that I could do it. But um, there were a couple of really big factors, none of which speaks well of me. One was that I had nothing really great going on anyway <laughs> okay. uh, you yeah. know, that, that I needed to leave behind. Yeah. I just had a really great wife uh, who was from Japan, so that wasn't going to be a problem. And the second thing, uh, you know, I would say uh, it was that I had great infrastructure around me, my wife my wife's family, the in-laws, uh, all these people who helped me to get kind of assimilated into Japanese society. Without that, you know, I, I wouldn't have gone to neighborhood association stuff and gotten to know my neighbors and become part of the community. Gotcha. So, you know, that infrastructure, I was very lucky to have. Gotcha. So, I mean, it was uh, just that everything kind of came together, felt together, right? Yeah, I feel that. I definitely feel that way. It's it's certainly not any ability or anything of mine. It's mostly just just having a really good environment. I think that's great. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I would love to have you back at some point. And now you now are great. the you are the virtual couch man in Japan. So I you know the next uh, the next uh, nuclear reactor uh, accident, the next earthquake, the next tsunami. We're gonna go to <laughs> our man. on the scene. We're gonna go to our man there. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Okay. Hey, absolutely great having you on the podcast. I uh, and I will uh, I will touch base with you again soon. And thanks for being on the virtual couch. All great. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Derek. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind is wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter most A million opportunities
Heal the legs and hearts you broke. The pain is worn. 